All right, all right, all right. Soul Company, welcome back. You guys can go and have a seat. You made it. Here we are, week two. Hey, how many of you guys joined us for kickoff last week? Come on. Yes. Man, it was a sweet week, but I am glad that you are back for week two, guys. Salt Company is sweet. I, if you haven't met me yet, my name is Austin, and uh, I have the privilege of leading Salt Company here in Minneapolis. And I just want to tell you that I love Minneapolis. And, you know, the question was hot take. This is not a hot take. This is a fact. On November 25th, something very special is happening, and this will happen. The Wisconsin Badgers are coming to town, and they will leave crying. Am I right? They will leave crying. Come on! Hey, you know what we say. The axe stays home, doesn't it? The axe stays home. Row the boat, baby. Hey, glad we got some gophers in the house. Yeah, guys, I'm a proud Golden Gopher alumni, graduated in 2021. And actually, fun fact, my parents, both of my parents, also went to the University of Minnesota. So quite literally, in my blood is the strange mixture of maroon and gold. That's right. But it is just an honor to be with you guys. I love Minneapolis. I came here uh, as a freshman when I was, uh, when I was a freshman. I came as a freshman when I was a freshman. In the year 2017, way back when, you're like, Austin, you don't look, you don't look that you, like you should have graduated in 2017. I know. Some people still think I'm a freshman. I am not. I graduated in 2021. I'm 24 years old, and, uh, and I'm here. So anyway, guys, honored to be with you this morning, and just want to say a special welcome. Hey, if you're new, if this is your first time here, guys, we are stoked that you're here. There are going to be new people coming to Salt Company every week, and just want to say, glad you showed up. Glad that you'll spend a Thursday night with us. I'm excited for you. And if you'd like to come meet me, I would love to meet you afterwards. Maybe we can eat a cookie together if you're a freshman. Uh, but man, hey, my first week, my first couple weeks as a freshman, I loved it. I loved being in the city. Absolutely loved being away from home. I thought I was kind of sick for going to school. It's like, oh, it's campus, but it's like, the U of M, so it's half in the city, half campus, felt kind of cool. But then, I don't know if you're experiencing this right now, but something strange started to happen. I started to miss home a little bit. Don't you? Man, I remember the first time I called my parents up, I was like, hey, can I come hang for just a weekend? And so I went back home, Savage is where I'm from, 30 minutes south. And I showed up on a Sunday afternoon, and my mom had been making her nice chocolate chip cookies, you know, and I could hear the sounds of the Vikings game going on in the background, Skull, tonight, come on. And uh, man, let's go, yeah, we got a lot of sports fans tonight, yeah. <laughs> um, man, but I could hear it in the background, and I don't know about you guys, but this is a ritual that I have. Whenever I go to my parents' house now, the first place that I head, I get, yeah, I give my parents a hug, but then I walk in, first place I go, the fridge. Anybody else? You got to take inventory. You got to see what's available. You got to see what's available. I, freshman year, came home, and for the first time, probably, was actually ecstatic to see some leftovers, right? Frozen pizza, or not frozen, goodness sakes, cold pizza 
Never looked better. Some teriyaki chicken off the grill in the fridge. Man, I'm telling you, leftovers, the beautiful fridge. It had all the resources I needed to thrive. There was nothing like being at home, right? There's nothing like being at home. And honestly, there's something special just about like looking at the walls and seeing those three words, live, laugh, love. You know what I'm saying? Oh my goodness. Something special. You can unwind. You can eat ice cream straight from the tub on the couch. You can take a deep breath. I'm home, right? There's something special about it. And we all want that feeling, right, of what it's like to be at home. And maybe what you guys are feeling coming into this week is like, man, I've kind of been far from home for a little while. Starting to miss my home, starting to miss where I've come from. But some of you, that isn't an experience that is new over the past couple weeks. For some of us, we have this longing for home because we've never really felt like we belong anywhere. We have this longing to just unwind, to relax, to take that deep breath, but we can't because we don't actually feel at home. I don't know what it is. Maybe you don't feel at home in your body. Maybe you don't feel at home in your mind with your own thoughts. Maybe you don't feel at home in your relationships. What is it with you? Why don't you feel at home? We all have this sense of longing because this life is full of hustling, maybe putting on a face, trying to perform to earn, but we don't really get to relax, take that deep breath because we don't really feel like we belong here. What is that? We feel homesick. And that is the title of our series that we're going to be in for the next five weeks. We're looking at a book in the Bible called First Peter. And it's titled Homesick because this, this book is going to show us that we're not alone. All of humanity feels this way. All of humanity has this longing for home. And we don't quite get it fully except for one specific place. Guys, tonight I want to uncover the reason why you feel homesick. I want to show you that you do have a home. You do have a belonging. You do fit in. But it's not here. Not in this world. You belong somewhere even greater. And in order to do that, in order to reveal this to you, this is where we're going. We're talking through three things. What is home? Where we are now? And how we get back, how we get back home. Like I said, we're going through the book of First Peter. So like I said last week, guys, the thing that we do at Salt Company, we open up the Bible. If you've got a Bible, why don't you open that up with me? We're going to look at First Peter. It's way towards the back of your Bible. And if you don't have one, hey, we would love to actually give you one. We've got blue Bibles out in the foyer, and you can grab one, our gift to you. Hope you love it, enjoy it, take it with you in your car, in your backpack, read it, love it. Our gift to you. But if you've got one, go ahead and open to 1 Peter, and I want to read the first verse with you. There's something I want you to see. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Here we go. It says, Peter 
an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. This is a, a letter heading. So it tells us right away who's writing it. Did you guess it? His name is Peter. That's why it's called First Peter. First letter that Peter wrote. Anyway. Uh, and who is he writing to? There's two special words in there. Elect exiles. Peter is writing here to people who have been scattered from their home. Exiles. They've been banished from where they called home. And he's writing to these people. They were Gentiles. They were non-Jews. And they were out in the Middle East, scattered, far from home. And he's writing also to you. The crazy thing about the Bible, guys, is that it was written to a specific audience during a specific time in a specific place. But it was preserved for you so that you would read it and that you would uncover timeless truths that you can apply to your life. And so Peter is, yes, writing to these people in the Middle East way back when, but he's also writing to you, the one who feels like an exile, the one who feels homesick, far from home. And so it brings up this first question. What is home? What is it? What's so special about my parents' place that helps me unwind Put on the sweatpants. Not really care how I look. Home is where you fit. Home is where you belong. Home replenishes you. It gives you all of the resources that you need to survive. But the reality is that none of us are truly experiencing that. None of us are actually getting everything that we need to survive. That's why death and decay have been entered into our world. And at some level, because we're not getting everything that we need to survive, because we're not being replenished, all of us can identify with the term exile. We might not all use that commonly right now, but we feel this sense of we're not belonged here. We don't belong here. It's interesting because this can even happen when times are good, right? You can have the attractive boyfriend or girlfriend and still struggle to feel loved and accepted. You can have all the success in the world and you still feel like you aren't quite enough. You can have that dream house, but then when you go home in it, you can still feel alone. We are exiles. And even when we have everything going right, there's still something inside us that says, I'm not home yet. The book of Genesis, excuse me, the book of Genesis has something to say about this. I want to take us all the way back to the beginning of the Bible, the very first book. Genesis chapter 2 says something about this. It tells us about humanity's relationship with God. And so it'll be on the screens, but let me read a couple verses from Genesis chapter 2 and 3 that talks about why all of humanity feels like an exile. This is what Genesis 2, 15 through 17 says. The Lord God took the man that he had created and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. 
And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in that day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Spoiler, they took it. They ate it. And this is what happened later in Genesis chapter 3. It says, Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. Humanity was banished from the very place that it was created in. Taken from the ground that it came from. Did you catch the wording in there? He says that he was sent away and to work the ground from which he was taken. Humanity was formed in the garden with God. Our very beginning was formed from ground by God, and we were walking with him. But then we were sent away, sent to a different place. And not only did we lose that relationship with God, but we also lost this sort of identity because we were taken from the place from which we were made. We were away from home. And now we find ourselves in a place that doesn't give, what, doesn't give us what we need. If home was supposed to replenish us, to give us rest, then this is not it. We are detached from our home. Guys, one of the reasons that we're so uncomfortable here is because everything feels temporary, doesn't it? Everything good comes to an end. I mean, our friends might leave. Success is kind of fleeting. It changes. The good feeling, man, it's not there when we wake up the next morning. The peace only lasts as long as the high does. Guys, does anything last forever? Yeah. You do. You last forever. You were not made to come to an end. And so a reason that we feel frustrated and trapped and just like disappointed with this world is because it perishes. Everything is falling apart. Even beauty is just a couple years away from becoming floppy and saggy. Every aspiring sports team is one play away from losing their star quarterback, New York Jets. <laughs> Too soon, is it? I'm feeling for the guy. But man, everything good comes to an end. Injury, illness, and death are going to take away everything that we could live for. Does anything last forever? We were made for the imperishable world, but that's not what we experience, is it? No, death takes everything from us. The most important people in history have died or someday will. The most important people to you personally will die. Man, does anything last forever? You were made for the imperishable and as long as death and decay are in this world, we can know that we're not home. Let's look at verse 3 for some hope. 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead to an inheritance that is what? Imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. You were made for an imperishable world. You were meant to live a life that never faded away. You were meant to live like we were made in the garden, walking with God, living with God, the very source of life itself. We know that walking with God, man, in any other relationship, when you say, man, I just want somebody to walk with me through this, you know you don't mean just literally taking a stroll. You mean like, man, I want to live with them. I want to share life with them. I want to converse with them. That's what life was like with God in the garden. We were with him, enjoying him. That's what we were made to do. Guys, there's a poem by a man named Dylan Thomas. It's titled, Do Not Go Gentle Into That Good Night. And there's one line that I absolutely love from this poem, and I wanted to share it with you. It resonates with this passage because aren't we all just like pissed off at death and decay? Hating that that's a part of our existence right now and it's taking away from us. This is the line from the poem. It says, rage, rage against the dying of the light. Man, that's what we're supposed to do, isn't it? to rage against death, to not let the light go out. We hate that things have to come to an end. We hate that there's decay. So what are we going to do about it? How do we rage against death? How do we rage against decay? We've got to put our confidence in someone who beat death. We've got to put our hope in someone who who will never fade away, an imperishable hope. And what does 1 Peter 1 say about that? That the inheritance comes from Jesus. That we can have an unfading hope, but it's not in this world. It is in the person of Jesus. By putting our confidence in the one who never fades away, one day we will receive an inheritance that will not go away. It will not perish. It will not die. But there will be eternal hope, eternal peace, eternal joy, no more pain, no more suffering, no more decay. But it comes through one person. It comes through the one who beat death, Jesus. So one day, that's our home. That's where we fit. But we're not there, are we? So where are we? What, what are we doing? Point two, where we are now, we are far from home. We're exiles. This is like the middle of the story, isn't it? You, we've set up the plot. We know the beginning that we are created to have this imperishable hope. We know the end. Man, if we put our faith in Jesus, that's what we get. But what are we doing now? Like, what's the point of being an exile? If we're not at home yet, what are we supposed to do? And you're not going to like it. The answer is that we're going to suffer. 
Let's look at what First Peter one chapter five. Uh, sorry, First Peter one verse five says. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Guys, the middle of the story is going to be marked by suffering. And he uses two words really helpful in there. He says, so that. We would experience suffering so that the tested genuineness of our faith may be found to result in praise and glory and honor one day. There's a purpose for our suffering. And so that we would hold on to hope and that we would come out stronger on the other side. But guys, I think there's a tendency for us in this room right now. I think there's a tendency for us to be in a room this size and think, man, is everybody else just killing it? Is everybody else good? (laughs) Are they experiencing something that I'm not? Is everybody else, like, loving life, enjoying everything, not going through anything tough? Man, maybe the tendency for you, honestly, is to, like, look up at somebody who's on a platform and be like, man, they must be loving life. Everything must be going smooth for him if he's, like, leading a college ministry. Man, maybe you met my wife last week. Maybe you know her name's Cora, and you're like, man, she's so beautiful. Like, what? He must be loving life. And it's like, yeah, I am, actually. No, man, she's great. If you haven't met her, she's lovely. Uh, But, man, maybe you're thinking, man, he's got a beautiful wife. Like, what? Everything's going right for this guy. Maybe you've been to my house. You're like, oh, it's so cute. Like, he's got an awesome life. Man, I just want to, like, break the barrier right now and let you guys in My life is not all peaches and cream, and I hope that you guys can, like, hear some of what I'm about to say and just know that there's there's suffering happening in this room. Maybe it is by you. Maybe you're experiencing one of the tough times. But I just want us to to see that this life for all of us is going to be marked by tough times. And we're in it together. Like last week, I talked about friendship and how much that matters at Soul Company. And something that I think we can tend to do is think that we just need to like hide our problems. That's how we're going to get good friends. Hide the problems. Hide the stuff that's really tough. That's how we'll get people to think that we're doing great, doing good. Like we're from Minnesota. How are you? I'm good. Are you? I fall into that all the time. Guys, this is the past year. A lot of people have asked me, hey, are you good? I'd say, yeah. But what was actually happening was I was going through probably one of the toughest things that I've had to walk through over this past year. Last October, my mom got diagnosed with stage four cancer. It was right, it was the weekend of fall retreat last year. And I showed up to fall retreat straight from the hospital with news that my mom had a mass removed that was cancerous. 
And we heard that news. We knew that it was going to be a long road ahead. They started plans for chemo to try and attack the cancer and take it away. The news that we kept on getting was basically that the cancer was spreading too fast. So we tried different things. But over the course of weeks and months, I was watching my mom experience more pain and suffering than I'd ever seen before. The chemo drugs would work for a little bit and then not. We'd try a new one. They would work for a little bit, and then they wouldn't. And on we would go, and I would see my mom approach what she knew was the end. Guys, I was sucky, really tough. On August 23rd, just a couple weeks ago, my mom passed away in our house. All of us kids got to be around, got to hold her hand. And guys, she had a sweet relationship with Jesus. She knew that this was not her home. She knew that her decaying body was evidence that she needed a new one. And she was going to get one, one day. And so she held on tight to the hope of an imperishable life with Jesus. Man, I know that she is enjoying this imperishable reality with Jesus right now, but guys, I'm still in the middle. I'm still here. It's great for her, honestly. She's free from the pain, free from the cancer. It didn't win. She won because she knows Jesus, but I'm down here, and it kind of sucks, guys. I miss my mom. But if this past year has taught me anything, it is that suffering is meant to help us hold on to hope even tighter. That like gold, when you put it in a furnace and click up the temperature, it actually purifies the gold. Faith, when you put it through suffering, purifies and strengthens your faith so that it's more precious than it was before. Suffering is meant to help us hold on to hope even tighter. It's like when you're tubing on the lake. At the beginning, you start off, you're chilling. You're even going no hands. And then Mr. Boat Driver cranks that thing. You get your head whipped back, and you're grabbing tight onto those tubes. You know, so at the end, you like can't even open your hand anymore. My goodness. God puts us through these crazy high-speed, high-intense moments. Why? So that we would hold on to him. And someday, guys, we are going to be brought safely to shore, and we're going to be able to look back and say, what a ride. What a ride. We're not home yet. And the suffering that's happening in your life, the suffering that will come in your life, was meant to help you open your eyes and see that you were made for something greater. You were made for an existence so much greater, and that is to come if you would just keep on believing in the hope that comes from Christ. Okay, Austin, we get it. 
We're not home. You said it like 80 million times. We're not home. And they're suffering now. But how do we get home? Can you just tell me simply that how do we get back? I want to know how to have this imperishable hope, this thing that's never going to end. How do we do it? That's point three. And I want to remind you just of, of where we were at earlier. We were talking about the garden of God, right? Being created in the garden with God. We were walking with him. But then what happened? How did we get sent out? What was the reason that we were sent out of the garden in the first place? Sent to work the ground from which we had come from. Separated from relationship with our creator. Why did that happen in the first place? It happened because humanity took the fruit that God said not to. It happened because the humanity wanted to live without God. They wanted to be their own God. We want to be our own God. We want to do and experience and live without him. Guys, the reason we are exiles is because we have wronged God. We said, I don't want him. I want to live on my own. And living with God means that we want him more than anything. We love him more than anything. But the reality is, you don't love God. I don't love God enough. We want life without him. Adam and Eve were the first to reject him by doing what he said not to. But all of us, day in and day out, do the same thing by the way that we live, think, and breathe. And so we experience death and decay because everything that we've needed to thrive is gone. We've lost it. We've lost the tie between God and man. Guys, when, when anybody wrongs somebody, there's separation, there's alienation, there's this brokenness that, that you experience in any sort of relationship, and it's the same thing with God, that when we wrong him, there's now separation between us. The reason that it feels like God's far away and not present in your life is because you've turned your back on him. If anybody is going to restore the relationship between you and him, it's going to cost something. Forgiveness always costs something. And in this case, it is very, very expensive. So who's going to pay? Who's going to pay for our wrongs against God? Who's going to restore the relationship by absorbing the penalty? Let's look at what 1 Peter 1 says in verse 18. Who's going to pay? Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited by your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Who's going to pay to restore the relationship? Who's going to pay for all the wrongs? Who's going to bring reconciliation between you and God and make you guys right again? Who's going to do it? Jesus will. 
Man, he did it on the cross. This is the gospel that we believe here at Salt Company that you see all over the Bible, over and over and over again. That Jesus is God the Son. That he has existed for all eternity past, and he will exist for all eternity future. And at one point, God sent Jesus away. God sent Jesus away from the throne room of God to the dust of the earth. Jesus experienced the greatest exile in history. Jesus was sent far from home. Why? For you. To pay and to reconcile the relationship. He experienced physical exile to live as a man on this earth, but he also experienced the greatest relational exile that we have ever seen. Because on the cross, Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What was happening in that moment, Jesus, God the Son, was being totally separated from the love of the Father experiencing the greatest exile in human history in all of time. And this is why he did it. He was cut off so that you could be let in. Guys, you can't earn your way back to God. You cannot pay off the debt that you owe him. And God wasn't okay with that. The debt needed to be paid. And so he said, let me do it for you. He cared so much to have genuine, authentic, day in, day out relationship with you that he was willing to lay it all down, his entire life down just for you. And so now it's a free gift saying anybody that wants to come, anybody that wants to be in on this, I'll pay your debt and you can be in. You can be home. Jesus was cut off so that you could come home. That's the gospel, guys. It's not about religion. It's not about performance. It's not about earning Right standing with God, making him like you a little bit more. No, he freaking loves you. He was willing to lay everything down for you, to be totally cut off so you could come home. Guys, that's where your true home is. Life with God. It starts now, in part, daily walking with him. And one day you will receive it in full, an imperishable inheritance through what Jesus has done. This is your true home. Guys, I'll close with this. The interesting thing about the gospel and about Jesus being cut off is that he paid everything. He paid the entire cost, but it does cost something from you. It costs you giving up, trying so hard to earn it yourself. You've got to give up on your own pursuit to be good enough and accept that you're not. But Jesus is. It means dying to yourself and accepting the beautiful substitution of Jesus. 
that he wants to walk in your place. He wants to die in your place. And he wants you to have his inheritance forever. Guys, would you just see that invitation tonight? I I just am praying that you guys would see this sweet invitation to come home. That you're longing to live life with God and all the other pursuits have fallen short. But Jesus gives you everything that you need. It's a beautiful inheritance and it will never fade away. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for making it clear that this place is not our home. Thanks for giving us hope through your son, Jesus. Thank you for opening our eyes to see that through your word, we can see these timeless truths God, we are made for so much more than this world has to offer. And time and time again, we fall just flat on our face, wanting more. Wanting the good things to not come to an end. Wanting relationships to be more fulfilling. God, so we're just crying out to you tonight. Would you bring us home Help us see that you are our true home. I pray that tonight we would see and have open eyes to see that the invitation is right there on the table to take your life, Jesus, instead of ours, to take your perfect life instead of ours, to die a life with you so that we can live forever and be resurrected to new life and have a living hope that's found in you, Jesus. Thank you that this will never end. Help us to worship you in song. Thanks that we get to do that each week, God. So be glorified as we sing. Be lifted high. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.